Amen. Children are dismissed. All right. Good morning again. If you have your Bibles, if you go to Romans chapter 8, Romans chapter 8, we'll begin. Hallelujah. Thanks, sweetie. Good to see all these little ones. Amen. Hallelujah. What a God. Isn't it wonderful to be a Christian? Yeah. So many wonderful privileges and assurances that we have as children of God. And we're going to talk this morning about five blessed assurances, five unshakable promises that you need to wrap your arms of faith around, receive them, celebrate them. Let them change the way you think, the way you walk, the way you see yourself and you see life. Romans 8, beginning with verse 31. What then shall we say in response to this? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also, along with him, graciously or freely give us all things? Who will bring any charge against those whom God has chosen? It's God who justifies. Who is he that condemns? Christ Jesus, who died more than that, who was raised to life, is at the right hand of God and is also interceding for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship, persecution or famine, nakedness, danger or sword? Five unshakable promises for the child of God. Father, we thank You for Your Word. Give us ears to hear and hearts to receive. Help us to embrace and appropriate these rich truths that we will be expounding on this morning in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, in these few verses we find five unshakable promises that should give us a strength and a courage as we walk through this fallen world. Five convictions for our faith that emphasize our security in the Lord Jesus. Because of God's great love for us, and because of all that Jesus has done for us, we can be absolutely certain every moment of every day that our past life cannot separate us from the love of God. That our present circumstances cannot separate us from the love of God. And that all of our future challenges, come as they may, they cannot separate us from the love of God. Five assurances. Unshakable promises for the child of God. Number one, for the believer in Jesus Christ, there is no humiliation. There's no defeat for the child of God. Paul writes, who can be against us if God's before us? There's no defeat, the first promise. In fact, the Bible is clear, 1 Corinthians 15 and 57, but thanks be to God who gives us the victory through Jesus Christ our Lord. For Jesus has won the victory and God in His mercy has given it to His people that we might walk in it and we might enjoy it and we might proclaim it. In fact, John writes in 1 John 4 and 4, You are of God, little children, and you've overcome everything that's out there that would try to make you stumble or be ensnared because greater is He that's within you than he that's in the world. 
And it's so important if we're going to live this Christian life successfully and victoriously that we have the attitude of the victor and not the victim. And Paul begins with this first unshakable promise, this first glorious assurance that we have that as a child of God, there is no humiliation, there is no defeat for those that are in Christ Jesus. If God be for us, who can be against. Verse 31. See, the way Paul is asking verse 31, um, the question, he's assuming a positive response. We could easily translate it, since God is for us, who can be against us? If Paul had simply asked the question, who's against us? Well, the list would go on and on. I mean, just your relatives would fill that in. But... um, there could be many questions, many answers to that question. But the question, you get it later. But the question is not who can be against us. The question is, if God is for us, who can be against us? You see, a big difference that little word if makes. It changes everything. It's not that the Christian doesn't have opposition. We certainly do. And Paul expressed it. He listed. He said, hey, shall tribulation or distress, persecutions, hardships, condemners, accusers. He lists all these various oppositions. But that's not the question. It's, it's if God is for us. Then what foe, present, past, or future can prevail against us? What enemy can defeat us? If the living God is fighting for us, if the battle is the Lord's battle, then peace be still. Fear not and walk in the confidence of a child of the living God. I mean, what temptation or trial or tribulation can overcome us if God be for us? And what storm or what setback can have the last word if the living God is before us? What situation can keep us down if God is determined to lift us up and hold us up? He is the glory and the lifter of our heads. So we praise the Lord this morning that we're not our own. We've been bought with a price and that's a good thing. That's a comforting thing. That's an encouraging thing. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. Somebody say amen. What a difference it makes to be a child of God. As we read in this chapter 8 of Romans, we see that in verse 32, the Father is for us. We see in verse 34 that the Son is for us. We see in verse 26 the Holy Spirit is for us. And on top of all that, we see in verse 28 that God, Father, Son, and Holy Ghost is making all things work for us. In God's person and in God's providence and His leading and His guiding, His orchestrating of events, God is for us, not against us. For Jeremiah said it so well, Jeremiah 29 and 11, For I know the thoughts I have for thee, declared the Lord. They're thoughts to prosper you or give you peace and not to harm you, but to give you a hope and to give you a future. 
What a glorious thought to know the God we serve. He says, my plans for you are personal. He says, I know you. You're not just a number in a crowd. I know every hair on your head. I know you specifically. I know you intimately. I knew you before your mama knew your daddy. I know you and my plan for you is personal. And my plan for you is purposeful. I have a plan and a destiny and a will for your life. And it includes the peace and prosperity of the living God pouring it out upon His child. What a God we serve. What a God we serve. So as a Christian, I recognize one of these great assurances I have. There's no humiliation. There is no defeat. Because of God before me, what other thing in this life or the life could come can be against me. So as a Christian, I can wake up each day. I can begin each day realizing God is for me. God is with me. He loves me. He protects me. He directs me. He cares for me. And He's willing to use me. And nothing in my past, my present, my future can change that. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Hallelujah. Oh, bless His name. Five unshakable promises. Five assurances for the child of God. Verse 31, no humiliation, no defeat. If God is for us, many things will try to hinder us, confuse us, frustrate us, discourage us. But if God be for us, those things don't stand a chance. And someone might ask, is God really for me? Will, 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 will this great God really help me? Well, next verse. Paul writes, he who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all. How will he not also along with Jesus graciously or freely give us all things? Our second unshakable promise for the believer in Jesus Christ, there's no deprivation. We're not deprived. The Lord is our shepherd. There is no want. There is no lack for the child of God. My friend, God will meet all your needs physically, emotionally, spiritually. Whatever that need is, He he won't fail you. He won't forsake you. He brought you this far. He'll bring you the rest of the way. He that began a good work, He says, I'll complete the work and I'll meet every need you have to make sure that you make it all the way through. Trials will come and seasons will change. But the great I Am, He changes not. And the same love that saved you is the same love that will heal you and strengthen you and comfort you and provide for you. Look to the Lord. Trust in His Word and let Jesus be the shepherd of your life. Five unshakable promises. You see the thought here in verse 32, Paul, if when we were sinners, God gave His best. Now that we are His children, Will He not give us all that we need to finish this race? To keep the faith? To fight the good fight? God's activity, God's action in our salvation cost Him dearly. He did not spare His own Son. Think about that. And now with the cross, as our picture, our demonstration, our proof of God's love. And as one writer said, in giving His dearest to help the neediest. It is naturally, it makes sense in the same spirit of love and compassion that put His only begotten Son on the cross with that same spirit of love and compassion and mercy. 
God will not withhold anything that we need for life, for godliness, for victory. Don't limit God. But think about the goodness of God. If He didn't spare His Son, He won't spare that either. If He didn't hold back the life of His Son to redeem you, now that you're a child of His, He'll bless you and He'll meet that need. What do you need? Do you need comfort? He says, I'll comfort you. Do you need counsel? He says, I'll be a wonderful counselor to you. Do you need companionship? I'll never leave you and I'll never forsake you. Do you need power? Do you need provision? Do you need protection. I am that and I will be there. I began that work and I will guide you through every valley, through every shadow, through every trial. Do you need a job or do you need a promotion on that job? I am that and I'll do that. Do you need a spouse? Not if you already got one. If you already got one, work with what you got. Amen. (laughs) You picked them out all by yourself. Amen. But I mean, you you might be single, and maybe God understands that. He's a good God. If He didn't spare His Son, don't you think He wants to bless you with someone to share this life? Of course, let Jesus get in the mix. Let Jesus help you choose. He does a better job when we let Him help us with the choosing. Someone say amen. All the parents said amen. Amen. Glory to God. John Stott, he's with the Lord now, great English pastor and writer, theologian. He wrote, the cross proves God's generosity. That's what Paul was saying in 32. He did not spare his own son. Will he not, along with salvation, freely, generously, graciously give us all things we need to get through this life and to get through it victoriously? Paul's argument is simple. If God's love for us compelled him, To give up His own Son on our behalf. Is there anything that He will fail to do to keep us? You see, every need He has promised to meet. Peter writes, He has given us all things pertaining to life and godliness. And we have no reason to doubt the sincerity and the generosity and the goodness and the faithfulness of our God. He who did not spare His own Son... Paul says, in fact, will He not freely or graciously give us all things? That that word, graciously or freely, it means to bestow abundantly and freely. And this is how God gives to His own. Jesus used a similar argument when He tried to encourage the people in this day not to allow worry and fear to strangle them and and harass them. He says, if your heavenly Father cares for the birds that fly and the flowers that grow, how much more you that have been made in His image redeemed by the blood of His Son? God loved you and did so much when you and I were rebels. How much more? Will He care and provide and help us now that we're sons? I want someone to know that God provides for His people. You don't have to compromise with the world. You don't have to cut moral corners to get along in this life. God will bless you. God will promote you. God will keep you. If you do it His way, somebody say amen. God will meet your needs. Hallelujah. He who did not spare His own son. Think about that. I'll never forget. 
Many, many moons ago, Brother Shambach, just a young man, he had his big tent up in East St. Louis. East St. Louis is not exactly a pretty part of the country, rough part. And he said, it must have been faith night. That means anything you're believing God for, we're going to trust God to do it. He says, a little old lady comes through the line. She had a bag, an old brown paper bag under her arm. She finally comes and he looks down. She's about this tall and looked like old Methuselah. Said, he said, darling, what do you believe in God for? She goes, I believe in God's going to give me a, rent, a bus to rent. He looked. He said, what in the world she need a bus for? Looked like she couldn't even see over the, you know, over the thing. She said, I, I want to take a group of people to see Catherine Kuhlman, about three hours away. And they told me $800 for the bus. And she goes, in the bag, I saved 400 You goes, shh, don't say it too loud in this neighborhood. You might not make it. You, you, know, you might not make it out of the parking lot. And, 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 and he's saying, you, you mean you want me to pray that God will bless you so you can take a crowd out of my tent meeting and go see that woman preacher? She goes, yeah. He goes, oh. Oh, we laid hands on that bag. God bless it. God multiply it. God give her the desires of her. Boom. He's about two days later. She comes in that tent meeting. I mean, she had one of those Pentecostal spasms. She jumping, how he bucking, she all that. And she texts her. She said, Brother Shamrock, I got home that night and I want, I pull out my mom and I count it. $500. Started with four. Figure out it was late. Now I was getting tired. So I called my husband and honey, count this money. He counted it. $600. (laughs) If I was her, I'd never get rid of that bag. Amen. <laughs> I said, brother, brother, I just hit that bag, man. Amen. She just went down, went down to the, my banker the next day. Bear, would you count this for me? She said, Old bag, old smelly bag counts it. $700. Banker says, you want me to deposit it? No, no, no. Just put it back in the bag. Put it back in the bag, brother. Man, blessing that bag. Went down that next day. Went down to Greyhound. Good old Greyhound. Yep. Went down to Greyhound. I want to rent that bus. You told me $800 in a little bit. Here's the money. Pushed it over there. Greyhound for opened up. Seven, $800 and change. She took that group to see Catherine Coleman. Souls got saved and healed. But we say that God will provide your need. God is faithful to meet your need. If He did not spare His own Son and let Jesus, His only begotten Son, endure judgment and wrath for our rebellion, now that we love Him and serve Him and praise Him, don't you think He'll meet that need? Don't you think He'll help you through that situation? Oh, hallelujah. Glory to God. If while we were sinners, He died for us, how much more now that we are His? Talking about five unshakable promises for the child of God. That's what Paul is talking about in Romans. He writes in Romans 8, If God be for us, who can be against us? What a a confident assurance we have that there is no defeat for the child of God. We might get knocked down, but we don't stay down. The enemy might hit us, but God lifts us back up. He holds us in the hollow of His hand. But secondly, there's no deprivation. He says, now listen, as you're walking this journey, don't get in despair. As you're walking in this journey, don't live like the world lives. You've got a heavenly Father that is committed to your care, that will meet your needs. If you seek ye first the kingdom of God and all these things, He says, I'll add them to you and I'll grant them to you. As a child of God, no deprivation, no want, no lack. Number three, as a child of God, the believer in Jesus Christ, there is no accusation. No accusation. Look at verse 33. Paul goes on. 
Who will bring any charge against those whom God has chosen? It is God who justifies. Wow. No reason to feel condemned or guilt-written. It's been settled. It's over. The debt's been paid. The sentence has been carried out. You see, in the last book of the Bible, Satan is called the accuser of the brethren. And even though the world and Satan are always bringing charges against God's people, those charges can't stick. Because God, the righteous judge, has already pronounced his verdict, not guilty. In Christ, not guilty. Because I see the blood, not guilty. Heaven's gavel has struck and the sentence was declared, not guilty. The verdict, the declaration, righteous. Here Paul writes that we, who will bring any charge against those whom God has chosen? It's a beautiful thing to be the chosen of God. You're here this morning not because you chose God, but because He chose you. Oh, you might have thought you did, but you, oh, no, 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 you just got in later on the understanding. No, no, He chose you. He called you. He selected you. Accepted in Christ. In fact, Jesus said in John 15 and verse 16, You have not chosen me, but I chose you. I saw you in your rebellion. I saw you in your darkness. I saw you in that confusion. I saw you running away. But I chose to love you. And I chose to elect you. And I chose to pursue you. And I chose to break through the darkness and the rebellion. Oh, I chose to embrace you with my amazing grace. I chose to open your eyes and awaken your heart and draw you to the bleeding side of the I brought you to the place where you are because I wanted you. I desired you. I had selected you. Peter went on to say, for you are a chosen people, a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation. Who can bring a charge? Paul writes, now who can bring a charge against the one God has chosen? The only one that can is God and He chose you. His Son justified you. It is God who justifies. And what that means to you and I is that it silences every accusation against us. Since you believed in Christ, since you received Jesus Christ personally, God has declared you righteous. Again, look at this. He says, who will bring any charge against those whom God has chosen? It's God who justifies. As a believer in Jesus Christ, there is no accusation. God justifies. Justification means that God has fully pardoned you and pronounced you just in His sight. You know, that's just as if. Just as if you never sinned. Just as, What act? God says, I don't remember it. For your law, your sinless deeds, and your lawless deeds I remember no more. Now, obviously, sometimes we still remember them. The devil never forgets them. But God, the one that matters, He says, I remember no more. Justification means that no one can bring a charge against you because God has forgiven you. And God has declared you righteous in His sight. God took your ledger and Jesus' ledger and He did a divine switch. 
He saw your ledger and your account, the debt, the debt, the guilt. If those books were open, we all stand condemned. But something happened to your ledger when you came to Jesus. God was able to take all the credit that was on Jesus aside, the righteousness, the perfection, and He put it over to where there was need and there was debt and there was accusation. He took my debt and put it on Christ, put His victory and put it on me. You see, justification means that if you're a Christian, your past life and sins and failures, etc., they're blotted out. And God's favor and His righteousness rest upon you forever and forever. Somebody believe this truth. Someone ex- receive and accept this truth of salvation. Don't allow the enemy to toy with you again and again. Almost like that phantom pain that people get when they lose a limb. And sometimes in their mind they can still remember and they feel it. And some people still struggle as the accuser accuses or tries to condemn. But understand, it's over. It's done. It's been forgiven. God remembers it no more. Walk in the reality of how God looks at your life since you have come to Jesus Christ. For the believer, no accusation. Don't got to feel like, no, 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 no. So number one, no humiliation. There's no defeat for God is for us. Number two, no deprivation, nothing to pride. Because if God didn't spare His own Son, will He not freely help us and guide us and care for us and watch over us? Number three, there's no accusation. Hell will try to accuse, but it all bounces off. Nothing can stick. How can it stick? God said righteous. And His is the only one that counts. Like that young ball player. Years ago, he had a young ball player um, back in the 50s. He started arguing balls and strikes. And he looked at the umpire and said, you fat head. He said, listen, that was, a, that, was, that was three feet outside. That was a ball. I could see it. Pitcher can see it. My goodness, the crowd can see it. He says, I might be right, son, but the only call that matters is mine. And I said, strike three. Go back. Amen. And you might try to remember those years of being a rebel. You, you, the devil might try to remind you how you're no good and you have all these faults and failures. But God says, hey, listen, the, the only one that matters is mine. Right. And my call. And I call because I see the blood of Jesus. Righteous. Amen. For the believer, number four, look at verse 34. We see that there's no condemnation. There's no condemnation. Christ was condemned for us. Christ was deemed as guilty in the wrath for us. Look at verse 34, if you would. Who is he that condemns? Paul says, oh, who, who, who accuses? No one can accuse us, but it's the only one that can. He's declared righteous. Just, okay. Now, who can condemn us? Christ Jesus? Well, he was condemned for us. He died. More than that. More than that, he was raised to life. If he just died and didn't raise again, it wouldn't do us any good. But he was raised to life. And in fact, he is, right now, at the right hand of God in place of authority and power. And He's also interceding or representing us before God. It's good to have a representative in high places. Amen? It's good to have someone that knows. Yeah, absolutely. Well, look at this. There are four reasons to reject condemnation or accusation. The first reason is Christ died for us. He paid the price for us. We love to sing that old song, He paid a debt He did not owe. 
And I owed a debt I couldn't pay. I needed something just to wash my sins away. And now I sing a brand new song, Amazing Grace, for Christ Jesus paid the debt that I could never pay. I walk in the freedom from condemnation because Jesus took my place and was condemned in my place. We're protected by the crucifixion of Christ. Jesus died on that cross and took for us the condemnation we deserved. We cannot be condemned because Jesus has already been condemned. And God so loved that He gave. And Jesus took our place demonstrating that love while we were yet sinners. He became our substitute and now, because of what He has done, we have access, we have acceptance, we have approval in Jesus Christ. In His death, He took upon Himself the full penalty for my sin. Nothing more I have to do. I remember in the military driving in the ambulance with a nurse, she was an um, American Indian. And we're driving from our fort to um, up in Tucson. It was about an hour and a half. Drop off a patient to be airlifted. And, and on the way back, we got talking. And somehow the subject came up. There was a lot of Indian festivals. It was in Arizona. And she was like, what do you do in these festivals? And she just brought out how, well, we go through rituals. And sometimes we cut ourselves and we try to make penance. I go, really? I go, that's too bad. And she kind of looked funny at me. I mean, I don't have to cut myself. Jesus was cut. Jesus was whipped. Son of God was beaten. I don't got to beat myself. I don't got to condemn myself. I don't got to hate myself. He was hated on that cross for me. Father turned his back. He went through all that for me. I'm just humbly thankful for it. I'm just humbly receptive of it. Oh, my. In his death, he took upon himself the full penalty for our sins. There's no more penalty to be paid. Jesus paid it all. So don't you go around trying to think you have to pay it. In His death, He bore the condemnation that we deserved. And now we're forever free. And whom the Son sets free. Thank God we're free indeed. Free from its power, its penalty, and one glad morning, its presence. We are assured because of Christ's crucifixion. He died for us. We are protected and we're assured because of His resurrection. He rose for us. When Jesus came out of the grave, He proved that His sacrifice on the cross was worthy and accepted by God the Father. He proved that His victory over sin and death was real and genuine. The demonstration showed that He satisfied the righteous demands of a holy God. He proved that He had conquered death and He had broke the power of sin and that divine justice was satisfied. On Calvary. That's why we preach to men and women a message of good news. That's why we have a ministry that's called reconciliation. The price has been paid. The sacrifice has been made. There's nothing more for you to do but to come and receive Him. To come and give your life to Him. There's nothing you can do to earn it. Just receive Christ. There's nothing you can do to avoid it. Come! While it is still today and receive Christ. The resurrection of Jesus Christ proved clearly and demonstrated the Father accepted the sacrifice. It was good. But also in that resurrection, 
He made it possible that you and I could receive that same Spirit that raised Him from the dead so we can live this present life victoriously as more than conquerors. We have a faith this morning. Not in the tradition of man. Not in the philosophy of an educator. Not in the creed or the council. But we have a faith in the living Christ. We have a salvation that is sure and complete and eternally settled by the one that rose again and lives forevermore. We thank the Lord this morning. He died for us and He rose for us. We thank the Lord this morning that He is reigning right now for us and in us. Paul said He's been exalted to the right hand of the Father. Philippians says it so well. That Jesus humbled Himself. Philippians 2, 8-10. through 10, How Jesus humbled Himself and became obedient unto death, even death on the cross. Therefore God has exalted Him and given Him a name that's above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee will bow and every tongue will confess. The exaltation of Christ, that the Jesus we serve is in that place of power and authority. His name has been exalted above all others. And now His name has been entrusted to those that serve Him that we might carry out His work and we might exercise His authority and we might be His voice and His hands in this present fallen world. Jesus is exalted in the heavens and He's been given a name that's above every name. And He said, in My name you can pray. And in My name you can receive the blessings of Calvary. And in My name you can be My representative and touch this world for Me. We see that we are protected by not only the crucifixion and the resurrection, but the exaltation. Then of Christ. Christ is above all, but also the intercession. Look at Hebrews 7 and 25. The intercession. We walk with unshakable confidence. Not just that He died, thank God for that. Not even just that He rose again, thank God for that. Not even just that He's seated, ruling and reigning in a place, of, but thank God for more. He presently represents us. Praise for us. Therefore, He is able to save completely those that come to God through Him because He always lives to intercede for them. The same Savior that died for us is now interceding for us. And although His work of atonement was finished, His continuing ministry of intercession goes on and on and on. And as our High Priest, he gives you and I the grace to overcome the temptations and to defeat the enemies of this life. You have Jesus that's praying for you. You have a Savior that still thinks of you, that represents you. What a source of peace. What a source of rest. Hebrews 4, verses 14 through 16. We, we get excited about verse 16, and we should. It's a wonderful verse. It's a powerful verse. But leading up to that, why can we come to that place of His care? Why can we come to that throne of grace? Therefore, since we have a great high priest, He's gone through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly the faith that we profess. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses. Stop! Jesus cares for you. 
Jesus understands what you're going through. He was touched with that. He was touched with that. He was afflicted with that. He represented us fully. And if no one else can understand, Jesus understands. And out of that place of compassion and love, He makes a way. He represents us and He opens a way that you could receive the touch you need, the strength you need. We have been, we have someone that's been tempted in every way, yet without sin, because He cares for us. Because He understands what we're going through. Verse 16 says, because of that, let me invite you to approach the throne of grace with a confidence that you have a Savior there. You have a Savior that's opened the way there, that understands the hardship of this life. He understands the season of rejection, the seasons of oppression, the seasons of affliction that would try to get you to doubt the love of God or steer from the will of God. But he says, you don't have to do that. I've endured that and I understand that and I've rent the veil and I make a way that you can come before the throne of grace. Grace, throne speaks of sovereignty. Throne speaks of authority. Grace speaks of sufficiency. Grace speaks of generosity. And all that you need, you can bring it. Are you still troubled in your heart about the damage that was done 15 years ago? He can heal that wounded heart. Are you still frightened about what you know is coming in just four years' time? You can bring it to Him and He'll assure you that He goes ahead of you and He'll make the way before you. Oh, somebody, you're serving a wonderful Jesus. His promises are yes and amen. And if you walk with Him and trust Him, you can participate in the victory that He purchased for you. Somebody say Amen. Hallelujah. Oh, bless His name. Bless His name. Hallelujah. If God be for us, who can be against us? What thing past can keep us down if the living God is for us? What thing present can hinder our march if the living God holds us? In the hollow of His hand. What thing in the future can somehow sabotage us? Or somehow set us off the path? If the One that called us is with us, He goes before us and He knows the end from the beginning. Hallelujah. What a God we serve. Last but not least, for the believer there is no separation. That's verse 35. No separation. There's no separation. Christ's never-changing love for us is a great safeguard and an encouragement. Paul writes to us, Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Troubles? Uh Uh-uh, they'll come, but they can't separate us. Persecutions, hardships, they'll try, but they can't do it. Famine? Uh Uh-uh. Walk through the valley of the shadow of death. You don't need to fear, but just sense the comforting presence of your God. Danger or sword. Paul speaks of the love of Christ. He's speaking not our love for Him, but His love for us. And the great love of God, that eternal, unshakable, agape love. That is a love that comforts our heart. That is a love that gives us courage when we face these various things that everyone faces on this side of eternity. But whatever you go through... It cannot separate you from His love. And the declaration of that love assures you He's with you, He's keeping you, He's helping you, and He will bring you through. Can you say amen?
Five unshakable promises. Let's wrap our arms of faith around them. Let's give God praise for them. We're a blessed people, folks. We are blessed. If you know Jesus, you are blessed. We're going to close and open the altar for prayer. Very simply, number one, have you received Christ? Is your heart right with Jesus? Have you received Him personally? Are you walking with Him publicly? Because if you haven't, then you stand condemned. The Bible tells us that God so loved the world that He gave His one and only Son that whosoever believes in Him doesn't have to perish, but have eternal life. Very next verse. For God did not send His Son to condemn the world. Jesus didn't come to condemn, but to save us. Because those, because those that haven't received Him, next verse, are condemned already. The world's already condemned. But we're sinners. And we've rejected the Savior. But the Savior didn't come to declare that. He came to rescue us out of that. So number one, if you want to enjoy these unshakable promises, if you want to know these assurances are yours forevermore, make sure Jesus is Lord of your life. Make sure you've put your faith in Him and you're serving Him. Amen? Amen. But secondly, as we... And can we just give God some praise for all these promises? Can we just give God praise for the blessed assurance we have regardless of the season of life, regardless of what we face, if God before us, and He is. And lastly, if you have a need, if you have a need, we'll pray for you. We'll approach God with the faith that says, if you did not spare your own Son, oh God, surely you can grant me this request and this need. You see my situation, but we're going to believe you that if you did that, certainly you can do this. Amen? Stand with me, please. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Hallelujah. After I pray the final prayer, we're going to worship the Lord. And as we worship the Lord, if you need Jesus, if your heart's not right with God, please don't leave. Come. Surrender. Make it right. Let this overcoming life become your life. Come to know the One that said, I'll be for you and I'll never leave you nor forsake you. Get things aligned with your Savior and your God. If you're here today and you love the Lord and you have a need and you've been wavering in your faith, I pray that verse 32 was encouraging to you. If He spared not His own Son, will He not freely give you that? Whatever that is. Now you can come and believe God. We're going to see God work in your life. Don't limit God. He's too great to limit. He's too loving to limit. He's too mighty to limit. Father God, we love You. We thank You for such a great salvation. And we thank You for reminding us of the great assurances we have through that cross, through all that Jesus has done for us in this great salvation that He has purchased us. We thank You, Lord, for these many assurances, these encouragements, these unshakable promises. Father God, for all of your love and for all that Jesus has done, we say thank you. And now I pray, oh God, receive our praise. 
receive the offering of our song and our adoration. And I pray, Father, as we pray one for another, you would release your mighty power, Father, in the name of Jesus. We thank you that it is your will, it is your desire to freely give us all things, all that we need for life and godliness. And I pray, Father, as your people come, you will honor their faith and you will release the working of your mighty power. And you will show yourself strong and loving on their behalf. Come, O God, and let your river flow. In Jesus' name, and everyone said, let's worship the Lord. If you need prayer, come. If you need prayer, come. If you need to make it right, don't wait. Come.